Hello again and welcome to another edition of the Hokies Press Pass Podcast. This is Andy Bitter of the Roanoke Times. Not joining me this week is Aaron McFarlane, our columnist of the Roanoke Times. He turned 40 last week and is up currently in Atlantic City taking the casinos for all they're worth. Uh, that's okay. Aaron doesn't know much about recruiting anyway, so we brought in a special guest this week. Uh, Jason Stam from the VT Zone. Uh, Scout Media will join us uh, to talk a little bit of recruiting leading into signing day one week away here. Uh, Jason, thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, Andy. I'll try to fill Aaron's shoes. I know those are some literally some bigger shoes to fill. It's tough. You're going to have to put some Simpsons references in there, some bad <laughs> puns, and just talk about gambling every once in a while uh, just to keep us on our toes here. Uh, I'll start broadly. Uh, you know, this is a class that seems like it's kind of uh, picked up some momentum here for Virginia Tech in the last week. Uh, looking sort of big picture of where this, you know, where this class was last year or what the class was last year versus what it is this year. How big of a difference do you think this is? Yeah, I, I think it's a big difference. I mean, there was no uh, Devon Hunter in the 2016 class. So, um, you know, they, they've picked up some um, – some much needed depth in a lot of areas and, and obviously this is a much bigger class than last year and um, you know part of that I know you and I have talked about Andy they're, they're able to kind of move the numbers around you didn't have you had a, you know a couple of Juco guys last year but they didn't they didn't have nearly the space that they have this year so it's going to be a huge uh, class that goes beyond the you know the typical 25 man class that you usually have looking at you know 29 30 overall so um, but you know it's it's a really really deep class. I mean, you're looking at even on the defensive line. You know they've got uh, you know five or six, and still already looking for a couple more. So uh, filling a lot of needs. I don't think there's been a position left untouched. Even got a punter from Australia. So um, I think they've really filled about all the holes and uh, everything they were looking to. I mean now it's it's just a matter of finishing with finishing strong and, and keeping that momentum going that they they started this past weekend with those four commits in four days. Rankings-wise, this is a far better class than it was last year, and I think that's to be expected. You sort of have a, had a half-and-half half class where it was partially Frank Beamer's class, partially Justin Fuentes, where he really only had two months there. Uh, are you noticing a difference? Uh, I mean, you talk to more recruits than I do. I, I try not to talk to recruits because they don't really have anything interesting to say uh, whenever you ask them questions, but I mean, do you sense a difference about uh, the enthusiasm level about Virginia Tech or – uh, maybe more certainty about the future and the direction of the program? Because I feel like forever there, it was always, how long is Frank Beamer still going to be the coach of this team? And I, that almost sort of casts a pall over recruiting. And I, I know other schools can use that as a negative recruiting tactic. Uh, do you sense less of that sort of being out there with recruits in this class? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think for the longest time, there was, it was, we all knew Frank Beamer was nearing the end. We just didn't know when the in and you know is a recruit i mean it's just like anything there's all kind of uncertainty theories out there i mean as as humans we don't like uncertainty so whether that's recruiting whether that's coaches whether that's fans it doesn't matter we don't like uncertainty so if, you, if you're a recruit you want to find at least to your knowledge and ability that you, you want to find somebody who's going to be there for your four or three four five years whatever it is you don't want to have this turnover and, and obviously at virginia tech even on the staff there was a, a you know, a couple spots we had some turnover on the offensive line, but yeah, I think it it, it really it's a it's a comforting thing to know that um, you've got a coach who's locked in for a few years here. You're not 
um, dealing with somebody who's at the end. Uh, I mean, Frank Beamer was a legend in his own right. I mean, there's so many guys I think that um, for a long time that still drew a lot of uh, recruits in. And Bud Foster still the name Bud Foster still draws in a lot of guys on defense, but but um, I, I do think it's it's you're seeing already the difference it's made had a little more stability at the top with, with a guy like Justin Fuente, who, again, he could jump ship anytime, but at least we think he's going to be here for at least a few years. So uh, if you're recruits, I mean, you know, that was a big thing with, with Devin Hunter, I think. Um, what really seemed, I mean, he was, this is a kid that Virginia Tech has recruited for so long. We're talking about four or five years, going back to when he was in like eighth grade, I think was the first time he went to a camp. So they've been on him for a long time, but knowing that he's going to have a couple of coaches in place who are at least supposed to be here for a while, I think really kind of put them over the top even more. One more big question, big picture question before I move on to some more specific uh, individual guys. What, what is your impression of this coaching staff and how, what kind of recruiters they are? I know that was a big question with Fuente coming in was, yeah, these guys had recruited to Memphis before, but Memphis isn't the ACC. And, uh, you know, a lot of these guys weren't used to Virginia. I know they kept Bud Foster, Charlie Wiles, Zon Burden still on the staff. He's had a, a big year recruiting. Uh, have they exceeded your expectations for how they've recruited in this first year? Or did you think that this kind of staff at a school like Virginia Tech that has the resources that it would have would recruit at this level because that's just, you know, they're personable guys that are able to connect with recruits? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point. I mean, this is, this is my fifth recruiting class covering Virginia Tech now, and um, you know, it seems like every year they start off, they're, they're, you know, everybody, we hear that we, they're in such good shape with so many big guys. We go back to Deshaun Hand and Josh Sweat and Cleveland Farrell, and you know, they just, just seem to fade down the stretch. And this is a group who is finishing. That's the difference. I mean, and, and again, a lot of that goes back to what we just talked about with stability and, and obviously, you know, being able to promise these guys a little more uh, with more certainty of who's going to be here and who's not going to be here. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're finishing a lot more. And, and even before we go on to the, the new cl- the new uh, coaching staff, I mean, I, I think Charlie Wiles has gotten uh, one of the more underappreciated recruiters on the staff. I and mean, I think a lot of people don't realize the recruiting area he has, such a massive area, basically stretches all the way from Miami to uh, North Carolina. He basically rec- recruits the entire East Coast. So for him to pull out guys from, um, you know, Jacksonville and uh, North Carolina, he's had a big role with a lot of these guys in the defensive line and even the linebackers. And um, but yeah, and, and Zon Burden that you mentioned, I think he's been able to close. Uh, you know, with even with Hunter going back, I mean Brian Steinspring really laid a, laid a lot of the, the groundwork there. But for Zon to really kind of finish the deal and uh, be the guy to really uh, to sign or not to sign him, but to to get the that commitment that we've all been looking for uh, from Hunter, I think really says a lot to to his ability just as a closer. Um, but yeah, the new staff, I, I think you've really noticed the the recruiting area has expanded a little bit. I mean, that last staff obviously wasn't offering guys from Louisiana and uh, Oklahoma. Uh, you know, you had Josh Jackson from Michigan, but that was just a connection that Scott Leffler had with Josh Jackson's dad. You're actually seeing them go um, more regularly into Michigan. I mean, Terrius Wheatley, Khalil Pimpleton, um, I think that's going to become more of a regular thing because of Brian Mitchell. So um, they've expanded the footprint quite a bit. I think that's made a difference in getting the word out on Virginia Tech. And, um, you know, success bring, breeds success. So if you're going to have success in the field with a 10-win season, I think it's also going to carry over on the recruiting trail. And I think that's also another reason why we're seeing the success they're having right now. People are seeing – people want to be part of success, um, whether that's fans, coaches, players. And I think once you see a 10-win season, that also grabs a lot of attention. So that's – that's also where that win over Arkansas, getting that 10 wins, I think made a huge, huge difference. 
Yeah, I think it helps to have a coach that understands how to use Twitter too. That's not a knock on. <laughs> that's not a knock on Frank. I love Frank. Uh, he was not yeah. the most technological savvy guy. No, uh, I think God Bud Fo- I think Bud Foster was telling me a story when they first started doing like video chats. And there was a a recruit that they were talking to, and, and Frank like got right up close to the screen, like looking into the camera because he wasn't quite sure how it worked. <laughs> that surprised me. But uh, you know, Fuente, he's, he's on top of this stuff, and you see some of the you know social media stuff that they do. I I don't think social media alone sways a guy one way or another, but it sure helps to have that on your side. I think Fuente communicating with guys that way, you know, they, they do these things where they got all the coaches pointed at a screen and it's a picture of the kid. Uh, I, I think all that stuff kind of goes in the same pot and that helps. Uh, they've been on a pretty hot streak uh, the last week. I guess we'll start with the, the big one Hunter. Uh, is it Devon or Devin? Cause I've heard it both ways now and I'm trying to, yeah. I'm a writer. Well, I, just, I know how to spell it. I don't know how to say it necessarily. I'll be honest. I'd always called him Dev forever. Just I'm just that's just me. I kind of like to call everybody. You know me, Andy. I like to call everybody nicknames or slang or whatever. Um, but no, it's it, there's a, a, a video we have on Scout where um, we have a lot of these guys from I guess it's from last year's camp sessions and in, in Nike where we got a lot of the bigger guys to do these kind of like little minute profiles of themselves, talk about their favorite, you know, whatever random thing, and show a little clip of their highlights. And he introduces himself as Devon. So uh, we've. I would say that's a pretty definitive way it's Devon. That but sounds yeah, I'm good. You. I've, I've the kid pronouncing his name, that's a, that's a pretty clear <laughs> sign. Scout has him ranked a lot higher than a, a lot of the other sites. I think 247's in the 40, 45, and Rivals is 43 or something like that. Scout has him seventh nationally. Uh, five-star guy, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure how much input or knowledge you have of the scouting process or how they come to those stars. What makes him such a special player from from what you've seen or you've heard and talked to people about? Yeah, probably the best analogy I can give to how good um, Hunter is. I mean, I think it's it's very well known that he has a, a pretty close relationship with Cam Chancellor. I mean, they've tweeted back and forth forever. I think uh, Devon kind of sees him as kind of like a mentor. Um, you know, Cam is uh, was at you know Devon's announcement at uh, Indian River on Friday and. Uh, it's just it's it's been a pretty cool relationship those two have had, and I, I think you know anybody who, who knows who remembers Cam when he came out of high school, he was kind of a scrawny thing. I mean he he, he was, was a, a quarterback. Uh, I mean <laughs> he was a quarterback. I mean they converted him. He didn't have like hardly any offers. He had just a couple. I mean Virginia Tech was the last. They came in relatively late and offered, um, but you know Cam once he got to Virginia Tech, got in the weight weight program. Um, you know, under you could say under the tutelage of Bud Foster or whatever. But after a couple of years, you really started to see him kind of morph into the guy he's become now. And I think um, Hunter is kind of kind of where Cam was probably year two or year three at Virginia Tech. So he's already kind of I think that level, um, not anywhere near close to where he is now. Where Cam is now, obviously, as an All Pro Super Bowl champ um, with with Seattle. But I think Hunter has that kind of ability, and you know, he's a kid that. He's played so many different positions for Indian River. I mean, he's played safety, he's played linebacker, he's played receiver, he's been a returner of kicks and punts. Uh, he can do a little bit of everything, and I think honestly that may be honestly a little bit of kind of his I don't want to say downfall, but he's, he's it's one of those where you can almost say jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. I mean, he's safety is where he projects the best, I think, and that's where Virginia Tech needs him to play. But this is a kid who he's talented enough to play all over the field. He's got great vision, he's got great instincts. Um, 
he, he moves really well. And I think that's one of those things you, you, you look for is a kid that not only can, um, has, you know, he's got four, four speed, but on in the straight line speed, but he can move side to side really well. And, um, I think Hunter, uh, uh, you know, you'd like to think so being a five-star guy, but I think he definitely has a chance to come in and maybe not start right away, but I think he's definitely going to have some kind of role this fall. Yeah, I, I could see them bringing him along in like a nickel role or something like that right away. I think a lot of right. people just expect him to start right away and not getting here for the spring semester, arriving in the summer, and then having just August before the season starts. It, it kind of makes me wonder if he'll have that big of a role right away, but it sounds like he's talented enough that he could get on the field in some capacity this year. Uh, I would just maybe pump the brakes on expecting him to start uh, straight out of the <laughs> gates. He's a seven-five-seven guy. He's a top-tier guy. Those have been uh, problematic areas for the Hokies in recent years. Uh, you look at sort of the top five uh, guys in the state every year. They have not landed many of those. Uh, Tim Settle probably being the exception in recent years. What does landing somebody like uh, Hunter do perception-wise for this program? I mean, does it does it signal that Virginia Tech is back in recruiting? That's still going to be a factor in some of these top-tier guys again. That you know, honestly, have gone out of state uh, to a lot of the different schools over the years. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. I don't I don't know if it, if it signals they're back back. I mean, I think it's an it's an ongoing process i don't think one kid is going to make you know signal their back but i think it's definitely a an eye-opening thing for a lot of kids over there you know perfect example um when he committed to roger mitchell who's i know we've got him top 20 for 2018 linebacker from also from the 757 over there uh tweeted out you know you know hey look at devin hunter i don't know verbatim what it was but it was you know something along the lines of hey look at you know hunter's committed to virginia tech so it, it's really, I, I think you're not going to see a, a huge effect on this class. I mean, this class is already pretty well put to bed at this point. You've got a couple of guys left. I think it may, um, you know, slightly have some kind of impact with a guy like Mackay Becton um, of, of, as far as the guys left. But the 2018, 2019 guys, um, the ones who are still open somewhat and still pretty impressionable of what the guys ahead of them are doing, um, I know they're definitely taking notice of a guy like Hunter. I mean, he's definitely a, a program maybe not a program changer. I don't know how much you can be a program changer at safety. It's not like, you know, quarterback or running back, but it's a big time guy. I mean, it's, this is somebody who, um, you know, the, all the big schools offer. And I know Devin had, was close to 50 offers, uh, you know, Alabama, Auburn, uh, some of the ones that they beat out to get him. So I think it, it really says a lot that Virginia tech goes toe to toe with those kind of schools and, and ends up uh, beating them out for a guy like Hunter. I'd love to see some of the schools on the lower scale of that offer list. I mean, 50 schools <laughs> offer. There's only 65 Power 5 schools, like like Iowa State yeah. steps in the fray. Like, ah, would you like to come to Ames? Or, I mean, come on. <laughs> give me a break now. Uh, look at the rest yeah. of the week. Uh, Bryce Watts, uh, former Rutgers commitment. Dylan Rivers, former Penn State. Robert Porsche the fourth, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Uh, former right. Nebraska guy. They three guys that were committed elsewhere that changed their mind to the Hokies, all defensive guys. It uh, looks like Rivers is the most highly ranked of the group there, uh, top 200 guy thereabout. Uh, kind of interesting that this sort of rush on defensive players near the end of the class. I think for a long time people wondered, you know, they saw so many offensive guys, receivers, and skill players, and they go, where, where, where's sort of the meat of this this defensive class? It seems like they've addressed that pretty well here near the end of the approaching signing day. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. The, the the defense was definitely the focus of this class. You're right. Offense was there was kind of a run on offensive guys, 
you know, with all those receivers in, in the 2016 class. And I think you're going to see a lot of them uh, finally have a role this season with um, Isaiah Ford and, and Bucky Hodges, obviously on their way out, opens up some space for some guys to come along. Um, and also that's another story. But with this group, yeah, having these defensive guys at the end, and they're not done. I mean, they're looking at probably um, at least two more guys on defense, if not three, to finish out this class. So it's it's definitely about depth. I and mean, there's going to be a lot of competition you look at that defensive line now. I mean, they've got, uh, what, one, two, three, like four commits already on the on the defensive line, five commits, and you're looking at taking one or two more. So you're talking about a lot of depth, a lot of competition. Um, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think you want – I mean, I, I think everybody's going to be better for it to go through this competition. You want to have, you know, clearly be one guy. I don't know how you get any better from that. So, but yeah, a kid like Rivers definitely was – uh, aside from Hunter, I think of the other three, Rivers is definitely the most significant. Being in state, um, obviously getting a, getting him to flip from Penn State. Did that uh, surprise this you? The process was that surprised you, know, you that he flipped? It surprised me that he committed to Penn State to begin with. I mean, this is a kid that um, Aaron Moore had recruited very heavily when he was a freshman. So that was back in what 2014, 2013. Two receivers um, coaches ago. That's that's a while ago when you get to Moorhead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's been through three recruiters now because uh, Moorhead, was, Moorhead was his recruiter. Then when Moorhead left, Torian Gray was his recruiter. And then Torian leaves, and then Bud comes over and kind of basically is the recruiter there. But honestly, at that point, they'd already had a, established a pretty good relationship. So, you know, for the longest time, Dylan, um, I, I, can't, I, don't, I can't even count how many times he went to Virginia Tech before he committed to Penn State in November of 2015. I know he was at the Ohio State game. He was at junior days before that, the barbecue uh, he'd been so many times, and so it just seemed like everything was leaning towards Virginia Tech. Penn State comes in, he has a couple of good visits, and all of a sudden he commits there. But you know, it's it's one of those that if, if for anybody who's really been following Dylan pretty closely over the last year, I mean, he's made so many. I know he's tried to make it under the radar visits. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I told you this one. Like you know, he he Dylan he visited for the Georgia Tech game, and you know, I've seen Dylan so many times. I've talked to him so many times. He knows who I am. I know who he is. And the whole time I would see him on the sideline or, you know, going up to the stands, he, he put his hand, hand over his face every time I'd look at him. So I, I had to be kind of sneaky to get a photo. But, you know, he was trying to be so under the radar in getting in visiting Virginia Tech. Even, you know, he didn't tweet anytime he visited. All those other guys, you had to almost kind of just look at other guys' pictures when he officially visited in December and be like, oh, yeah, there's Dylan Rivers also there because he wasn't tweeting out anything. But, so as, as stealth as he thought he was being, you know, he was he visited Virginia Tech so many times. I know his girlfriend who attends Virginia Tech had something to do with it. Uh, there were a lot of factors, but I think a lot of things were gearing towards Virginia Tech. But it's not often you see a kid who's committed somewhere for 15 months, you know, a week and a half before signing day decides to flip. So that was the kind of the the surprising thing for me was that he waited this long. Not that he committed to begin with, but just that he waited so long. You know, Penn State's now kind of scrambling a little bit trying to fill that that vacancy that he leaves. It's always funny to me when guys flip the reactions of fan bases. Uh, <laughs> when, when one of your guys flips to another team, it's always, oh, these guys don't know the meaning of the word commitment. And if they flip they somebody else from another team, they go, that's a good word yeah. by the coaching staff. Flipping that guy. Welcome to the place that you really belong. It's it's always so eye of the beholder. It's part of the reasons why I kind of hate covering recruiting. I don't cover it like you guys do. It's very, you know, dip our toe in the water type stuff. But I just – it always is amazing to me. They, the fans are quick to pile on somebody if they leave and they go, oh, the, this generation doesn't know the meaning of the word commitment. 
Like, cut these guys some slack. They're 17, 18-year-old kids. You know, they didn't invent the verbiage of recruiting uh, <laughs> recruiting coverage, so, you know, I, I kind of cut them some slack there. Uh, tomorrow is uh, a day where a couple of guys look like they're making their final decisions. Uh, Tawan Garbett uh, from Fredericksburg, and it looks like Nathan Proctor is also making a decision. Is that right? Even though he's committed uh, to Virginia Tech, I guess that's a soft verbal yeah, that was the strangest thing when Proctor committed. Uh, you know, he, he commits on national television right before the start of the Under Armour game and then basically immediately says, oh, I'm still going to take my visits to Penn State and uh, Pittsburgh. Um, Penn State at the time, you know, said they were full, so he's kind of marked them off. Um, so he, ended, he did end up going to Pittsburgh, uh, took that official visit, that very first official visit weekend, so not this past weekend, weekend before. Uh, the coaches made an in-home visit with him earlier this week. I know they've been by his school, so yeah, it, it's a really, it's just kind of confusing why you would make, you know, you don't, I don't know if I've ever seen that where you'd come out on national television, and say you're committed one way, and then immediately say I'm going to visit somewhere else. So, yeah, anytime we have somebody who um, is, you know, saying they're committed but they're openly saying they're visiting somewhere else, that's the definition of a soft verbal commit because they're not solid, you know, I guess for what it's the word that word even means anymore, but. Um, yeah, it is kind of strange. I I just can't see Virginia Tech losing out to Pittsburgh with Proctor. I know I've talked to a couple, you know, guys on the staff at Virginia Tech, and they basically kind of told me the same thing that, you know, they're they'll be watching it intently. They've stayed on them. Uh, they've been in steady contact, but at the end of the day, they just can't see themselves losing out to Pittsburgh for a guy like Proctor, who I think they've felt really really good about for a long time. And Garbit honestly is the same thing. That. that that's been a really another really really weird deal, where he committed um, after the junior day. It was the weekend after signing day of last year, and then um, I guess it was five months to the day in July, decommitted, opened it back up. I I, I don't you know I, again I, maybe if you're around the coach you know a little more than I do, but everything we're hearing, so many people have said, oh that coach is why is he so pro Virginia so pro Pittsburgh and he's pushing him there. I don't know if he's pushing him there. I don't. I've never gotten that impression. I think he just wanted him to be keep an open mind and um, kind of go through the recruiting process. I don't. I think he felt like he didn't do that by committing to Virginia Tech when he did. So you know, I, I think they're both uh, 90, 95 percent Virginia Tech leans. I, I never say 100 percent until they're you know signed on signing day. I don't think you ever can. Um, maybe you put them in 99.9, but. It's just it's hard to see Virginia Tech losing out on either one of those guys. They've just been on him for so long, and uh, I think this is kind of a last ditch effort by Pittsburgh, honestly, to try to get in on these guys. And you know, who knows? They may surprise and shock us all and um, get one or, or both of them. But I it, right now, it's just hard to see that happening. Uh, that's on Friday. Those guys are picking. I don't know if I said tomorrow. We're recording this on a Wednesday. I'm going to post this on a Thursday. Uh, you mentioned right. you mentioned guys making a decision on national television and then sort of immediately backtracking it. I remember when I was in Auburn uh, covering that, you know, signing day is like a national holiday down there. It's ridiculous uh, between Auburn and Alabama. And Cyrus Quanjo, uh, an offensive tackle, was committing yep. on national television. It was on national signing day, and uh, they they got to him, and he looked like a ghost. Like he looked as nervous as you could possibly be. And like he, he he was like everybody expected me to go to Alabama and he and he said he's committing to Auburn on TV and then like they asked him a question he didn't really like respond much and like just kind of froze up and we're all sitting there in the room in Auburn like watching the, in the media room going like what the heck like nobody expected that and then 
waited and waited and waited for the letter of intent to come in, and it turns out like he like just like panicked and said the wrong school or just said a school just to get off the camera. Uh, as it turns out, he ended up going to Alabama in the long run. It was very good. I think he left early for the NFL. I forget exactly where he, he ended up there. But, I mean, that sort of uh, encapsulates sometimes the pressure on these guys that, I, I mean, I, I keep going back to it. They're 17, 18-year-old kids, mm-hmm. and they're put in a situation where they're, you know, it's sort of treated like royalty for all these months and trotted out in front of these cameras and stuff. And you know, some of the guys can handle it. And some of it is just like, you, you can tell they don't want any part of it, but they still go along with it. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of interesting that, you know, Proctor commits and then kind of backtracks on it. And then he's taking other officials. Uh, I, I think a lot of people jump on guys case about that, but it's like, just you know, let them do the thing. Like, Maybe not get so worked up for it. <laughs> I, I guess is what well, I and say I, about I remember it. even I don't know if you remember uh, Landon Collins a couple of years ago. It, he committed to Alabama on national television at the Under Armour game, and his mom, who's sitting right next to him, was a she made it. She was clear. She was an LSU fan. She wanted him to go to LSU, and as soon as he picks up the hat, she's already shaking her head. Like, like what does that say when your mom's right there, immediately already you know deriding your decision to co- to commit on national television to Alabama. Well, that was one of the say, strangest ones I've seen. I want to say, wasn't there a running back uh, that went to Arkansas from Miami? Was it Alex Collins? Was that his name? I think so, yeah. Uh, where he, like, the parents would not sign off on the letter of intent or something. Like, they withheld his letter of intent so he couldn't fax it in. <laughs> it's like, yeah. man, the, just the strange things that go on on signing day with some of this stuff. Uh, okay, so that's Friday. Those two guys are, are making their decision, I believe. Uh, who else uh, to look out for in the rest of this class? I know Makai Becton, offensive lineman, is one that uh, Virginia Tech's in the running for, but so is Michigan, I guess. And I'm curious how that one kind of ends up. Yeah, uh, Becton is definitely – he's already said he's going to announce on signing day. I think he gave a time also. It's it's that morning. Um, he – it's down to – I mean, for the longest time, I, I really thought he was a no-doubter for UVA. UVA was probably on him longer than anybody. But, you know, they obviously had their struggles and – um, I know he was blown away by an official visit when he took to Michigan back in November. Uh, Michigan State's also in there, Oregon, Louisville. Um, he's supposed to be at Oregon this weekend. Uh, I don't think right now he's not going to do that. So that, that'll be something to watch if Oregon can make a difference. But I don't think so. I, it'll be really hard to see this, see him going that far away from home. Um, that's why I, I think from the beginning it's been Virginia Tech or UVA. Um, again, he's Michigan's a, high, he's a Highland card, Springs guy, right? He is a Highland Springs guy, so I know uh, my my buddy Derek Skip Hopkins over there is. I've been keeping up with him and trying to, you know, at least get a little bit of intel on what's going on from his perspective. But you know, Makai is not a real talkative kid. Um, I know he's one of those. He, he tweeted out, you know, I'm not doing any interviews, nothing else. I think that's kind of the norm. They're all starting to tweet that out. Um, Daz Newsom did the same thing. Daz is also going to announce on signing day. Uh, pretty much, I know he's thrown Maryland in there. He was committed to Maryland for a while, but. Uh, it, it's basically going to be North Carolina or Virginia Tech for him. Um, Daz, I I think, had Virginia Tech offered him last summer like they thought they were going to, I think he would have committed very quickly. Um, but I think he's kind of, you know, it's it just kind of uh, maybe hurt. I don't know, maybe just hurt his ego or what. But I think he was he was a little put off by uh, how long it took Virginia Tech to offer. They didn't offer until um, I guess it was early December. So. Um, you know, his brother is Dion Newsom. His dad was Myron Newsom, who played for Virginia Tech in the 90s. So uh, family pressure, I'm sure, to go to Virginia Tech. You know, he's got the lineage. He's the he's a legacy. He could play with his brother. But at the same time, I think the biggest thing is just that Virginia Tech waited kind of long. And 
Um, you know, I'm sure they have their reasons, and they were going after a lot of bigger, uh, bigger fish. They felt like at that point, but um, kind of what you know, it's, it's put them, um, you know, maybe behind a little bit for Daz. And they've had to make up a lot of ground. Um, yeah, Victor DiMichele also is it should be. I think he could be announcing on Friday. I don't know if he's officially solidified that, but that one's looking like uh, definitely between Duke and. Uh, Virginia Tech. I'm sorry. That, that, I think that's probably going to be Monday. It's looking like for him. I know Notre Dame just offered on uh, was that Wednesday. They were trying to get him to take an official visit there this weekend, but he's already said he's not going to go to Notre Dame. So um, basically between Duke and Virginia Tech, uh, and then Zion Zion Debose is another three star kid from North Carolina. Um, I don't think Zion has set a date, but he's looking at Missouri, Illinois, and a couple of other schools. Um, along with Virginia Tech, he's supposed to visit Virginia Tech this weekend. So um, their gal's going to get the last official visit for him. So that'll be something to watch. But um, that's kind of the main group right now. And like you mentioned, Andy, the, the two that are announcing here tomorrow on Friday. There's some good names in that group. A couple of them I don't even know how to say or spell or pronounce. Uh, <laughs> Divakiji? Yeah, that, that's a tough one. <laughs> I, I have to ask you, some of these guys, they commit very late at night at like, 940 or something like that mm-hmm. they'll, they'll put up on twitter i'm an old man now i have an 11 month old daughter you have a son now that's uh, nearly two months is that right yeah he'll be two months on friday actually so i'm with uh, you man that's not commitments kill me <laughs> you see a guy commit you're like for the love of god this generation do it during normal business hours this is killing me here well i just think the timing is always terrible i mean you know my wife, Jenny, is very understanding. I'm sure um, Annie is too, Andy. But, you know, I've we, I've had to step out of movies before. and Oh, it's the worst. You know, it's you know, the it's, absolute it's worst. Terrible. Yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm putting down uh, my son. You mentioned Jet to bed one night. And, they, yeah, they get a commitment at like 10 o'clock. And I'm just like, God, really? Like, just the timing sometimes is just ridiculous. And, you know, if you, it's almost like you blink and, and you miss a commitment sometimes. So, especially with that run virginia tech had this past weekend like you know it was just one bam 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 they, they get commitments and you know that's great for them but at the same time it's a little uh, uh not so uh accommodating for us i want to touch briefly on the nine early enrollees and the mid-year guys they had of that group uh who really impresses you the most of those nine early guys um you know i would say the two guys from um Fork Union will probably have the best chance to play uh, immediately. I mean, Silas Zancy, I think, um, is still pretty raw. But when you say raw is in terms of you know somebody who's his size, I mean, coming out of he's 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 gained I know at least seventy five pounds since I saw him the first time at uh, Hilton as a junior, I believe it was. So he's put on a lot of weight. He's spent another time, you know, another season uh, at prep. So he's kind of gotten a little more experience. You know, those he the, put the on that weight was, at a military school too. That's yeah. tough to do. That's tough to do. Yeah, <laughs> I saw him. the The whole Fork Union team visited for the Miami game, and seeing him on the sidelines, it was it was just like seeing an, another guy. I mean, it looked like he almost ate his former self. Um, he looks so different. I mean, he's just not. We're not talking about bad weight. He doesn't have a gut or anything. I mean, this is good weight. He's actually looking a little more muscular and um, he has the weight in good spots, not you know uh, over the top weight. So I don't know. Somebody like him, based on the need they have at offensive line, you know, they they lose a couple guys there between uh, Augie Conti and, and Jonathan McLaughlin. I think he has a shot. I don't think he has a shot to start necessarily, but I think he has a shot to maybe crack the two deep. 
um, maybe by fall camp. Obviously, getting here early it makes a huge difference um, for offensive linemen. I mean, offensive line is such a hard position to come in early. And, um, you know, technically, I guess Jonathan McLaughlin played as a true freshman, but he's he's going to be in the same situation as Zancy. He had right, that year of right. prep that kind of gave him that little extra boost going into Virginia Tech. So I think that makes a huge difference coming right out of high school as opposed to having that little bit of time. Um, you know, Hendon Hooker, I, I love Hendon Hooker. I think he's got a great arm, uh, really sees the field very well. He's very poised as a quarterback, I think. Stands tall back there, doesn't seem too you know, frazzled under pressure. Um, but he needs to put on some weight. I mean, he's just under 200 pounds soaking wet. And for a guy who's 6'4", uh, comes off as a little, little thin. So I think he needs to add on a lot of weight. Uh, which I know they're going to feed him quite a bit once he gets on campus at Virginia Tech this spring. I mean, you'd like for him to be, I guess, your you know emergency third stringer, kind of like Josh Jackson was this year. Actually, exactly how Josh Jackson was this year. I mean, if you have to, you could bring him out, but you'd like to keep him there. But, um, yeah, I, I think as far as the guys enrolling early, probably the best chance to play early is probably Zion Zancy because of that year at, at prep and also because of the need they have at offensive line. If Zancy – uh, turns into something special in Virginia Tech. That's a, that's a pretty good job recruiting because he was an afterthought in last year's class, wasn't he? I mean, I, I think a lot of it had to do with you know the qualification side of things, but uh, it seemed like he was what maybe like a two-star guy or just sort of not that well regarded in the class coming in. Yeah, I think he was two stars. He was it just his grades. You know, everybody was scared off by his grades and you know again he was just kind of thin and i think unworth the box in a lot of ways other offer like again, delaware state or something it was some some really yeah. small school <laughs> yeah i think i think you're right if i remember right i think it was delaware state so yeah it shows a long long way the long way he's come and you know they, they've really just been patient with him and and he was a, a sign in place from the beginning and uh you know with, with this year i'm not saying it's the exact same situation he's not exactly where uh zancy was but christian darisol is the exact same thing he was um committed in, in november and he's he's a sign in place kid he's gonna you know right off the bat they know that he's gonna have to go to fork union or likely fork union he's gonna go to prep school that's usually when they end up going is fork union but yeah zancy the transformation that kid has made already and that's before getting into a college weight program is is pretty remarkable um but yeah he's got six five and he's up to about 315 i think now that, that, that's a pretty big jump from anybody who saw him last year when he was about 240. Looking at the rest of the class, uh, you know, the rankings are going to vary for different sites. Is there anybody uh, you look at in this class that uh, maybe a sleeper or, you know, better than some of these sites or maybe regarding them? Well, I know, you know, and, and we're included in that. I, I know we, we haven't had Jalen Holston, um, in huge regard, I know he's. If you look at where he's ranked for his position, he's about one or two spots off from being a four star. Um, our rankings are done. We're not putting out any more rankings, so our rankings are final now. But um, he just missed the cut of being a four star kid. And, and I, I mean, this is a kid who, um, ever since basically since they saw him at their satellite camp they did in Atlanta back in May or June, I can't remember. I believe it was first of June. Um, he was at that camp, and I think ever since then, he's been the top running back on the board. And that, that says a lot. I mean, there's been a lot of top guys they've gone after, they've offered. Um, they haven't, they, they've held very, very firm that he was the guy they wanted. Uh, and they obviously got him in, in early December. And 
Um, he kind of flirted with some other visits. I know he's backed off. He'd looked at possibly visiting uh, Minnesota and Michigan State. I know he's canceled those visits. But um, to get him, I mean, again, I, I, I can kind of see what they see in him. To us, I think he's just on the cusp of being, uh, you know, on that four-star grade. Um, but they just they love his his speed. They love his explosiveness in the open field, um, his awareness. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I think he he probably has to to do some work with being able to catch the ball out in space and screens and um, even over the middle on, on some dump passes. I think he's definitely a, a true runner. Um, but he's a good athlete, and I think that. You know that plus his size, he's going to put on some more weight. I think could be a big time sleeper and one we look back at and say, "Wow, I can't believe this kid was only three stars." They they took a lot of receivers in this class. Just uh, quickly before you let you go here, which one do you think has the best chance to contribute? Uh, you know, not not right away, but long term in the career. Who who do you think might be the best of this group? You know, Taj Capehart is the kid that we have ranked way higher. But I, Sean Savoy is a guy that also, when we mentioned guys who could be overrated, I think could or underrated, you know, could be that guy you look at. Savoy is is kind of in the same build as Taj Capehart. Um, you know, I think he's a little little shorter. And Khalil Pimpleton, I think, is a guy who's going to be vastly underlooked at. I mean, he was someone who um, he's only five six, maybe a buck 55 buck 60 so he's he's pretty short he reminds me of kind of um deshaun jackson a couple years ago uh out at oregon where they had to play you know they were worried about overworking him or taking too many hits but when you get him in space i think he's one of those guys that could could break uh, a big play every time he touches the ball he has that kind of ability so um and khalil is probably going to be a receiver i know we haven't listed as an athlete but he's probably going to be somebody he he, there, there was one game andy i know he i can't remember who they played they played in the big house this year and he had, I think it was five touchdowns, scored four different ways. So he had one as a quarterback running. He threw for one. He had a return for one, and he caught a touchdown. So this is a kid who has a lot of ability to, you know, he's he's he has so he's just so versatile. He can do so many things. But again, because of his size and um, again five six one fifty five, that's not quite what we typically think of as collegiate size. So I think he got overlooked by a lot of different schools. He's got an A plus name, Khalil Pimpleton. I, I think that's my favorite <laughs> of the class. If you had to rank that, it's probably that and Jabril Glaze uh, up near the top. Uh, we always end these things with some sort of prediction. Normally we have a game to do that we predict. Uh, I'll do it with a class ranking here. Scout has Virginia Tech ranked tied for 15th right now in its class. Uh, we'll put it at uh, 12. Can can Virginia Tech get higher than 12 in its final class when signing day comes around, do you think? I don't know. I mean, you know, Taiwan Garbutt is going to do a lot. I, I think, you know, getting him, I, I think, would, would really push him up. But, you know, you have to keep in mind that everybody else is still filling their their spots too. And you know, there's not a, a lot of top-end guys. I mean, most of the guys we have ranked five stars have committed elsewhere already. Uh, I know when Hunter – committed the the six ahead of him have already just made their decision so it's not like anybody can make these massive jumps like uh virginia tech did when he committed but um they're definitely a top 25 class i think most likely top 20 um but past that i think it's a lot of wait and see because there's there's some schools behind them that have some big time names still on the board i think can really push them up also yeah top 20 after where they finished last year i think most Hokies fans would take that I think they would. I mean, I think there was a lot of uh, you know outcry with losing so many guys in state, and you know they've now got uh, Rivers, Hunter, and Capehart, three of the top ten locked up. And if you get Garbutt, there's four. So 
So I think they've done a pretty good job, even from that standpoint of you know, a lot of the complaints that a lot of Virginia Tech fans had from that end. All right. Well, I think we pretty much ran the gamut here. I can't, I can't talk recruiting any more than this, or my brain will just melt down. This was a refreshing change. Normally, you know, Aaron's on here. We talk talk a lot about monkey rodeos and over unders and stuff like that. So this was a, a welcome change uh, to talk about recruiting this in depth uh, with an expert on the subject. So we thank you for coming on the, the show here, Jason. Hey, you know, I, I'm sorry I couldn't do the, the colorful commentary that Aaron had, but I hope I at least kind of filled it a little bit. All right. One week until signing day, uh, Jason will cover it for the VT Zone on Scout Media. I'll be covering it for the Roanoke Times. Uh, for Jason Stam, this is Andy Bitter. Thanks for listening.